Welcome to the I Love Alt Mortgages podcast, brought to you by Home Trust. And now, your host, Brennan Trenuth. Hey, Broker Nation. On this episode, we take a trip to the East Coast where I speak with Alex Lavender, broker at Centum Home Lenders. Alex joins us to talk about his book, Mortgages for Millennials, including his inspiration for writing the book and key takeaways for the reader. He also shares some great advice for new agents. This is bound to be a great episode. So without further ado, let's kick it off. Hey, Broker Nation, you are listening to I Love Alt Mortgages. I am your host, Brennan Trenuth, and here with me today is Alex Lavender, broker at Centum Home Lenders, the Clinton Wilkin Mortgage Team, based out of Halifax, Nova Scotia. Alex, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, no problem at all. Happy to be here. Awesome. It's always nice to get different perspectives of our industry from other regions, so really happy to uh, have you. Actually, I'm not sure that you can see me on the screen, but I am wearing my East Coast Lifestyle shirt and... <laughs> and hat as well so i'm representing the east coast very well here but we'd love to have you out we'd love to have you out when things are back to normal this for sure great place in the summer i think we are coming out in the summer anyways so uh maybe we'll pass by each other but yeah enough about my fashion let's get started here so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and you know how long you've been in the industry and you know anything in between there sure yeah so i've been in the industry uh well The official like start date I always like to use is like October 2016. And that's kind of when I started with like, you know, Clinton Wilkins here. Mm -hmm. And so I guess we were about five and a half years now. Before that, you know, I did dabble a little bit when I first kind of got into this in Ontario. So, you know, that was probably about like a year prior to that. Mm -hmm. But that's pretty much how long I've been in here. You know, I would say six years total, but really five Mm -hmm. and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. And, you know, what's that experience been like for you so far in those five and a half, six years? Yeah, you know, it's been great. It's been a really interesting trajectory for me. Like when I started, you know, I had a rough go to start. I kind of, you know, jumped in fully into this, you know, kind of fully committed. And I was like, I'm going to put 100% into this, go all in and, you know, see if this works out or not. And for the first five months, it didn't. Like I didn't make any money. Like I was broke. I was hurting, you know, and thank God for my dad. He was like, you know, you're so close. You put in the work, you know, give it a little bit more time, right? And, you know, I just kind of fought through it. And, you know, eventually I started getting a couple of deals and kind of got my footing. And from there, you know, I've pretty much doubled in revenue every single year since I started. I don't know if I can double again. I don't know if I have enough hours in a day. (laughs) I'm kind of at that point where I'm going to maintain now. Yeah, I know. But I mean, that's an interesting point that you made there is that, you know, you went full out in at the very beginning. And it's really important for anybody who's listening on this podcast that you can go in 100%, but like you said, for the first five months, you didn't make any money, right? So you need to kind of persevere that way and and really stick to it if that's what you want to do with your life, right? Yeah, for sure. And you know what? Like I was a little bit cocky. I was like, oh, you know, like a month, two months tops, no issue. Best type of advice I can give to anyone starting, have a good safety net or Mm -hmm. maybe even a little part-time job that can maybe pay the bills. But, you know, at the same time or jump right into it and, you know, go broke because, you know, when you're like living off like five dollars a week, some weeks just to get by, that puts a fire. Right. That's that's where the hustle's coming from, where it's like you've got to figure out how to get things done. And there's really no other options at this point. So, you know, teach their own. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Thanks for sharing that. I know that you've been also recognized in the industry on many occasions so far in your career, uh, Young Gun of the Year, New Entrepreneur of the Year. You know, what is it about the, your model that has made you stand out in the industry? 
Yeah. And, you know, I think it just it really goes back to, you know, just kind of what I said there before. And it's just having a really strong work ethic and, you know, not giving up. Like I always kind of say, like, you know, when you have clients, it's kind of like a tree root. Right. Once you get that first client, that might be the tree. And what will happen is that client may tell two more clients and, you know, they may tell more and more. So the biggest thing to success is giving every client a great experience so that they're a raving fan and, you know, just doing as many transactions as possible, because the more and more transactions you do, the more confident you become mm -hmm. and the more skills that you have and the more people that you're able to work with, the more people that you impact and, you know, the word just kind of spreads. And I found that that's, you know, been really good for me. Like I come from a background in the hospitality industry, parents own a restaurant. So I grew up, you know, I started at the age of 12 as assistant dishwasher and did every single role you could imagine, mm -hmm. even to helping open a restaurant. And that really showed me the customer service model about, you know, just providing such a great experience so that you have raving fans because then everything else builds itself out after that. Absolutely. And one of the things that I love about hosting this podcast is that everybody kind of brings their own little bit of information to the podcast and everybody always seems to have a different analogy. And I really like the one that you just said there. So thank you for sharing that. Being in the Atlantic Canada region, obviously very different from, you know, where I am in Ontario, what challenges have you had to face in the real estate market over the past couple of years? Yeah. So, you know, what was really interesting when I first came into this market is if you look historically at house prices in Nova Scotia, we were talking about a 2% increase, like going back, I don't know how far, but like 15, 20 years, even sometimes you'd see there's a negative dip. So it was very flat, very flat on house prices. So in order for anyone to do a refinance, you're looking at like at least five years, they need to be in that house. Like if they put 5% down at five years, they're lucky to have 20% equity. And it's mostly just from pay down. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the biggest things that happened is once the pandemic happened, you know, you saw this surge in house values, like 25, 30% each year. And that just created so much equity for all these people's homes. And it gave them the ability to refinance. And, you know, refinance is huge. Like there's so many transactions right now because it's something that people have wanted to do for so long. It allows them to either buy, you know, a second property, whether it's investment or vacation. It allows them to consolidate any high interest debts. And it also allows them to do renovations, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we saw a surge in purchasing activity because everyone from Ontario decided to come buy out here. I yeah. just did it before. Yeah. All the hype wants to say I spotted it coming, but I lived in downtown Toronto for years. Like I went right. to school, you know, at Ryerson. Yep. And, you know, when I first moved out here, my whole idea was like, I'm just going to save up money and buy a little rental portfolio here because houses are $200,000, $300,000. It didn't even make sense. Just like how cheap they were. Right. You know, you're living in Toronto and a condo goes for 500,000 back then, you know, yep. back when I moved for like 500 square feet, you know, it was rapidly different. So we dealt with a ton of purchases and it hit us like a wave. And, you know, I was working like 14 hour days, you know, through the pandemic and stuff. Luckily, there's nothing else to do. So it was kind of great. But there was a surge and there was so much. And I'm all about making hay while the sun shines. So, yeah. you know, I was, you know, doing all of those transactions. So the biggest thing was, you know, just trying to stay mentally strong through all of that, because there was so much business that we were doing is wow. unprecedented. Yeah, you know what, it's been crazy couple of years here as well. I definitely understand what you're talking about there. You also decided to write a book called Mortgages for Millennials at the beginning of the pandemic, if I'm not mistaken. What was your inspiration to write this? 
Yeah, so I had actually kind of set out this goal to start it before the pandemic happened. So like January 2020, and I'd been talking about it for, you know, a year or so. And I was saying this relates to my story. Like, you know, I kind of got into mortgage brokering because I was in university and real estate finance kind of clicked with me. And I realized I wanted to do something in the real estate industry. But, you know, I went to go and get my first mortgage when I was like 22. I was trying to buy an investment property in London, Ontario, when I lived in Toronto. And I was a server at the time and I wasn't given any guidance. I was just told like, hey, no, it doesn't work. And I was like, well, what do I need to work on? Like, why? I don't understand. And I started researching a bunch of information and I couldn't find any information on it. So I decided to take a mortgage broker course because I thought that that would teach me all the information I needed to know. At the time when I took it, it taught me a lot about the ethics and stuff like that, but it didn't actually really teach me much about mortgage brokering at all. And that was the biggest thing I noticed was like, there's no source for all of this information. Like, what do you need for credit? You know, like, it's not just credit score. Like, what is a good established credit? Like, what happens if you've had a bankruptcy? What are the options? A and B, what are the timelines, you know? How do construction mortgages work, right? There was so much. And I noticed clients kept coming in and they had all this misinformation from just Googling. And they're like, I'm stressed, man. Like, I'm reading this and it's saying that and this and everything's contradicting itself. And I'm like, yeah, because a lot of these concepts that you're bringing are U.S. concepts, right? Sure. That people are pulling up. The Canadian U.S. market are just like a gas and a diesel engine. Like, they're both similar that they have a mortgage, but they operate completely differently. Mm -hmm. So the result is kind of like misinformation. And I was like, I just want to give something to people that literally is like, hey, here's all the information you can need. And, you know, if you're struggling or anything like that, like this is just like the resource because I know as millennials, you know, myself, we love to research and we want to almost do everything ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that's really where this stemmed from. And the whole thing for me as well was just, you know, I also wanted to just kind of give back to the mortgage community for everything that had kind of given me. So sure. the whole point of this book, like it's for sale on Amazon. I've sold it at cost. If anyone wants a copy, I mean, send me an email. I give it away for free. Right. And it's just to give everyone that knowledge. And, you know, in that book, I do really showcase that everyone should talk to a mortgage broker. Mm -hmm. You know, it's through that book. It's not necessarily me. You know, if you're in another province, that's fine. It's just to open up people's mind to like what a mortgage broker is and to really get them to like contact a mortgage broker because we have so much growth that we need in this space that is untapped and it's free for clients and it's in their best interest. Well, it's free as long as we're not doing, you know, alternative or private. Yeah. Um, that was the biggest thing for me was just to give a resource for people that answered all of their questions, give mm -hmm. them all the information and also try to point people in the direction of a mortgage broker. Right. And how is serving the millennial market different from other generations that you may serve? Because I'm assuming, you know, the inspiration for that was you're probably seeing a lot of millennials coming your way. I mean, that's a core group of people right now between the ages of what, 26 and 41 at this point in time that are probably coming to purchase properties or refinance existing properties, right? For sure. You know, and I love it because it really suits the way that I can operate very well. Because when I'm working with a millennial, we're both like hyper efficient. It's like, hey, we want to get things done. We want to get it done quick. And we're fully knowledgeable in all the tech resources that are available. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what that allows us to do is it just allows us to like streamline the process like that much better. So I really do like working with millennials and, you know, that is definitely, you know, a target group. 
because there really is no friction there and everything moves really well. So, you know, especially when I'm dealing with like a new home buyer or something like that, you know, mm -hmm. definitely provide them the information of the book as well. So they can just educate themselves with all that knowledge as well, because I know that we love to do that. Absolutely. And what kind of feedback have you received from your book too? Are you getting a lot of traction? Yeah, for sure. So everyone's loved the content, you know, everyone's got back to me and said, this is amazing. You know, what a great resource. I've even shared it with a couple like new brokers entering the space as well, because, you know, when I entered the space, I realized there was no information on like how to write mortgages. It was all just from experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even the new brokers I've given it to, they're like, wow, man, like, thank you so much. That's really given me like a good foundation that I didn't know about and given them more confidence to, you know, contact clients. So yeah, overall, it's been really positive. But, you know, it was a real challenge I set out for myself where I was saying like, hey, you know, I wanted to make sure that if I started this, I finished it. And I just set a goal where it was 30 minutes every morning, I was just going to write for 30 minutes. And that was it. And eventually, I wrote all the content, I think it might have taken me, you know, six months. And, you know, math is my strong suit, English is not. So I had, you know, someone take all the raw information and kind of turn it into better English. The rest is kind of history from there. For sure. No, that's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. You know, I always like asking this question because I think it's important for mortgage agents in the industry, whether they're new or existing, to understand and kind of learn from other agents and brokers within the industry as well. But, you know, what's your approach when you're speaking with a client for the first time? Like, what's that process like? Because I know it can be different for other people, but... You know, we always like hearing about other people and how they interact with their clients for the first time because different processes, you might learn something from it. You know, what questions do you ask? Things like that. For sure. So, you know, I always kind of just open it up with them and I just want them to feel comfortable. So I say, hey, you know, do you have any questions or anything that you want to just go over right off the bat and mm -hmm. discuss? And then kind of after that, it's tough because, you know, every client is a little bit different depending on, you know, what we're looking to do. And depending on, you know, if they're a first time home buyer, you know, a seasoned home buyer, you know, that conversation is catered to them. But, you know, I always have an initial call and I always just kind of outline, you know, what we can offer, what kind of my role is and all of that. You know, if it's an alternative deal, I'll say straight up, like right off the beginning, like this is what we're looking at in terms of interest rate. This is what we're looking at in terms of fees. This is kind of how it all come together. And if that's something you're interested in proceeding with, great. You know, if not, you know, you can work on these things to kind of get to where you need to go. And one of the biggest things I always leave clients with is options. I mean, 95% of the time there is an option available. They just don't like it. You know, so like, let's say, you know, your credit's bad or something like that. And we have to go through like an alternative lender. It's like, okay, well, we do have an option for you to get a mortgage. The unfortunate thing is we would just need a 20% down payment or, you know, we can look at a co-signer or something like that. And I always just want to ensure that all the options are outlined to them mm -hmm. when they leave and also give them a strategy of what the issue is and what needs to be completed to get there. Because, you know, I know when I went in, it was just like, hey, man, you're declined. And I was like, why? They're like, eh, you know, it's an income thing because you're a server. And I was like, OK, elaborate, you yeah. know, like, what do I need? So, you know, if I have clients that are self-employed, for example, it's like, all right, hey, we're taking a two year average of your net income let's just say you don't have much debt. We're looking at roughly, you know, every 25,000 of income is roughly getting you to $100,000 of mortgage money. So you want a $500,000 house? We need about $125,000 average, you know? Mm -hmm. So the biggest thing I just think is, you know, just having that just transparency, listing out all the options, 
available and also if they need to get somewhere, the things they need to do to get there. Sure. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, that's really good. Thank you for sharing that. In talking about, you know, alternative mortgages, you know, what's something that you look for in a lender when deciding where to send an Alt-A deal? For sure. So, I mean, kind of three pillars with that is like pricing, speed, and, you know, flexibility slash trust, I like sure. to say. Yeah. So, you know, a B lender shouldn't be black and white. It should really be, you know, more about the story. And, you know, I have a great relationship with Home Trust. You know, I tell honest stories. And, you know, when a file is marginal, that trust is what gets it approved because, you know, they know, you know, like I've had a long enough track record history of files that it's not like, oh, look, look at how many houses we've had to foreclose on mm -hmm. that Alex has sent in this and yeah. that. So yeah. there's a relationship that's built over time. And that relationship allows you to get things done quickly, efficiently, and also have a higher approval rate. So, you know, those are the three key pillars, you know, the speed, the pricing, and also, you know, the flexibility trust. For sure, yeah, that was gonna lead into my next question was, you know, how important is your relationship with your underwriting team that you might deal with with a lender and even the sales team too that you deal with at any of your lenders? Sure, yeah, I mean, the relationship's huge. You know, I tell Mike this sometimes, you know, who's <laughs> my BDF. I'm like, you know, I'm sending deals because it's you, you know, yeah. like if you move to another lender, I'd probably start sending <laughs> deals over there, you know, like that's yeah. the relationship, you sure. know, we have. And what's kind of interesting is like, you know, me and Mike, Mike's been around for a while and, mm -hmm. and we initially got connected when I first started. So he's seen me kind of go through that journey of like doing nothing to mm -hmm. doing lots. It's really built this good relationship over the years and you know that trust so that's what's great is when you've built a strong relationship with a lender and let's say client you know of course you've told them we need all the docs two business days prior to the condition of financing and they've sent it in you know three hours before the condition of finance is due and they need an answer right away because there's a backup offer and all of that having that trust and relationship is like hey guys i don't call in a favor too often you know i just need these files reviewed is there any chance we might be able to kind of review that? And, you know, I find that that allows me to kind of get things done. For sure. Absolutely. Do you have any deal scenarios or client stories where it really exemplifies your understanding of the alt space and, you know, where a lender really came through for you? Yeah, for sure. Here's one. And it kind of starts on the private side and it moves over to the alternative side. So it's mm -hmm. all kind of connected. Sure. And this one would be a pretty big success story. So I had some clients that were going into COVID and had a missed payment with their existing mortgage lender, like a bank. Mm -hmm. So what happened there is with their missed payment going into COVID, that meant that a deferral was not granted to them when COVID happened. So COVID hit, they got laid off and mm -hmm. all the banks started offering deferrals and they were not granted this deferral because they were one payment behind going into it. And you can just imagine the situation yeah. got worse. So sure. pretty much eight months of them just getting so behind with all these additional fees and not being able to work and stuff like that. So they're in arrears for a while. And by the time they called me, they're actually connected to a realtor connection of mine who was going to put their house up for sale, but they really wanted to keep it. Sure. And by the time they contacted me, they were like a week away from the gavel, you know, banging and them losing their house to a foreclosure. So I told them, I said, you know, it's going to be a long journey, but we can take you from pretty much hopeless to being back to a traditional lender again. It's probably going to take six years mm -hmm. uh, until those mortgage payments come off and stuff. And, you know, I kind of need you to place your trust in me. 
And, you know, I did approach, you know, B Lender Home Trust, you know, of course, first and ran the situation by. And, you know, obviously it was just too much risk at the time, so, right. which is totally fine. The client's in foreclosure, sure. um, a slew of missed mortgage payments. But the wording was, you know what, get these clients cleaned up and show them that, you know, they're back on track and we'll entertain it, you know, in a year's time. So, you know, essentially we had to go to a private lender, which is understandable, you know, for one year's time. And, you know, I told the clients, hey, we're going to get everything cleaned up. We're going to use this private lender. It's unfortunately going to cost you a bit for a while. It's going to be expensive. It's not going to be fun. But in one year's time, trust me, we're going to take it on to the next step. And we're going to find someone that's going to make this much more cost effective. And, you know, sure enough, one year's time comes up. They actually did everything that I asked them to do in terms of, you know, reestablishing some credit. And, you know, I kept mm -hmm. checking in with them and stuff like that. And, you know, we were finally able to exit them over to the B side. And, you know, they have a very manageable payment today and they're on a plan for, I think it's about four years from now when the missed payments will come off and they'll sure. be able to go to a, an A lender. But just having that, like that gratitude from those people is mm -hmm. just so huge from taking someone, you got to imagine like being in foreclosure for like Absolutely. eight months, you got to be stressed to the max. Absolutely. Um, people calling all day long because all your other credit lines are in arrears. And just like literally taking them from a place of hopelessness mm -hmm. to complete, like, thank you so much. Like, that's why I love doing what I do is just the gratitude. And I think it really speaks to the importance that the mortgage broker plays in the industry as well, because in your scenario there, you know, somebody else was ready to just, you know, sell the house because they didn't really see a solution in sight. But, you know, after speaking with you, you had a solution for them, right? And you had a plan for them as well. For sure. Yeah. It's all about that roadmap, right? You know, people get scared when there's additional costs involved and stuff like that. But the biggest thing is just being transparent. It's like, hey, you're in the situation because of this. Mm -hmm. If we do these items, we can take you to here. This is probably how long it's going to take. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a really great story and good work <laughs> on that scenario there. As we wrap up here, I just want to ask one last question. And, you know, I'm just wondering, what's a good life lesson that you've learned in your career? Yeah. So this kind of goes back to something my dad always told me when I first started doing anything in life. And he says, never do it for the money. You know, always do it because you enjoy what you do. And, you know, it took a while to kind of figure out what I enjoyed doing and where that enjoyment came from. And the mortgage space has given me gratitude. And there's a perfect example that, you know, is great sure. segue just from the example I just gave you mm -hmm. is, you know, taking someone that's like hopeless and giving them hope again. And the gratitude I get from that is huge. That's what keeps me going every day. That's why I love the alternative space so much because you have people that literally have no options and you're taking them from a place of hopelessness to hope. And when we finish a transaction and everything works out like how we expected and you know the roadmap's all paved and everything's done, just those clients saying like, hey, you know, a few years ago I was here, like I can't tell you how much you helped mm -hmm. me. Like that emotion, is what keeps me going every day. And beyond all else, that's, you know, one of the key drivers to my success. I actually really just love what I do. You know, that's one of the biggest things. So definitely, awesome. you know, the importance of gratitude is something I've learned, you know, on my journey. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you very much for sharing that. And thanks for all of your other insights as well. I truly appreciate it. On behalf of Home Trust, obviously, thank you so much for your continued support of us. You know, we really appreciate it. I know that your BDM, Mike Ayub, he really appreciates it as well. So, you know, keep it up and wishing you all the best in 2022. Awesome. Thanks so much, Brennan. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on I Love All Mortgages. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like and subscribe on your podcast app. 
This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.